You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 216 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on May 19th. Roger, you finally saw the new Avengers movie. Yes, I did. And apparently you had some opinions. I do. I actually do have some opinions. And if people want to hear it, they should tune into our next Popcorn Ronin. Because while I hadn't thought of it, my son's pretty freaking smart. And I said, (laughs) our next Popcorn Ronin is all going to be on AI. And he said, okay, so you're doing like, because we just watch Ex Machina. And uh, actually, we still have to watch Chappie. And he says, and you're doing Avengers 2. And I, holy crap, I didn't even think of that. It actually fits. Because I'd wanted to maybe do Avengers and Avengers 2, but then this fits in perfect. So we'll tie in Avengers 2 into that Popcorn Ronin episode. But I'm curious. (laughs) But you're going to be on Popcorn Ronin, so you'll know. Can I get like the 10 second review? (laughs) No. You're going to have to wait. You're a jerk. I'm the jerk. Seriously? Yes. I think we've established that. Listeners. Roger at comicbookinformer.com. Let us know which one of the two is the bigger jerk. Ow. And karma makes me smack my freaking headset into the mic again. Well, I think it's important that you did uh, qualify it as the bigger jerk. Because, yeah, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's a matter of details. We went to go see it in IMAX 3D. Um, with, uh, it was my son and I, and again, our buddy down a couple of houses over my neighbor and, um, uh, and I do have opinions about it. Some of it, some of it because of the obvious, obvious comparisons that you have to make to the comic. Mm-hmm. And then some of it based on the choices that Whedon decided to make with, Several different characters. And mm-hmm. and I do agree with you about the glibness of Ultron in the movie. And it didn't work for me. Right. It, it didn't work at all at all. And then there's the obvious Black Widow stuff, mm-hmm. which, again, I have opinions. And we'll go yeah, way more into detail. Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, of course. I enjoyed it. Was it as good as the first one? I personally would say not even remotely. Hmm. And again, there were a lot of good things about it. Certainly a lot of good things about it. A lot of good character development stuff, but, and I, it sounds stupid to say it about, it sounds stupid when you say it about a comic book. It sounds especially stupid when you say it about a comic book movie, but holy cliches. Like it was, it relied far too much on known formulas. And I would have liked to have seen Whedon do different. Fair enough. So. Let's put it this way. Comparing it to, I, I obviously preferred the first Avengers for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I am not even going to compare it to Guardians. Because in my opinion, pff, there is no comparison between those I two. I don't disagree. And I, I even wouldn't put it on par with Winter Soldier. 
No, and again, I wouldn't either. not even close to Winter Soldier. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an opinion. Which, again, when I say that, though, that's like saying this piece of fine china isn't quite as nice as this finer piece of china. <laughs> you know, like it's just they're still fantastic in their own rights. It's yeah. just one is, in my opinion, quite a bit subpar to the other ones. Well, I mean, it's kind of the 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 way the machine's working. It's just how it turned out that I'd say the two movies Marvel released last year are the two best movies yeah. they've released ever. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go into it more when yeah. we talk on uh, Popcorn Ronin. So you heard it here, folks. Uh, PopcornRonin.com will let you know when that episode goes up if I remember at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, you're covered. <laughs> so don't worry about it. All right. Well, as for this week's episode, there's a couple of uh, image comics I wanted to cover for a little while now and just managed to, you know, finally find time in the schedule and put them together. And I thought uh, this was actually a pretty good time because staying away from big two comics is probably a good idea right about now after last week's episode. Kidding. Yeah, we'll get some of that in what we're reading. Well, uh, the first one we're going to start off with is Descender, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin. I always butcher this guy's name. I apologize. Dustin Yen is how I've always said it, but I know that's wrong. And this uh, we start off on Nirita, a uh, planet, a far future sci-fi story, uh, the central core of civilization for the nine planets, the United Galactic Council. And we start off just as civilization is getting wiped out by gigantic robots. Always a good place to start a story. (laughs) What I like is that it does. It jumps right in and it expects you as the reader to tag along and to keep up. And we've talked about that often with different comic books where that first issue is, hell, and sometimes even more than the first issue, is set up and set up and set up and it takes forever. And while there is some set up in this, for the most part... You would think this had, this was issue, what, three, four kind of thing? Depends on what publisher. This would be issue seven for some people. Yeah. So, no, I really I really dug that about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it hits the ground running and expects you to keep up. And as the story plays out, it fills in the gaps, which is just good writing. Mm-hmm. So in the story, we jump ahead 10 years to a derelict mining station on the moon, and we meet our main character for the story, Tim21, a little robot boy. And his awesome robot dog, Bandit. And I just instantly, I really connected with Tim. The way they established him, how they set him up as, you know, this lost little kid. And they didn't wait until the end of the issue to do the big reveal that he's a robot. Because, well, obviously something had to be up with this kid if he just woke up and everybody had been dead for years. So, again, they move the story along at a good pace. And they establish the character. They really give you a feel for him because as he starts connecting to the, I don't know what they call it, the internet for lack of a better term, and learns that in the 10 years that he's been asleep, there's been a robot genocide uh, that AIs and all robotic life forms, I guess you could say, (laughs) have been uh, wiped out across the Galactic Council based on the events of what happened 10 years previously. So we're not, we're like halfway through the issue and already we've gotten a ton of story and a great character that we can really sink our teeth into. The reason for the early reveal as well, I'm going to assume is because there's already so many other reveals pending mm-hmm. that are more important. 
You know, it's you don't need to have the character reveal because you've got story reveals that are incoming that have already occurred and will continue to occur. So the pacing was really, really quite good because of that. And you're right, the kid is immediately likable because because he's a kid. It's not mm-hmm. a, a, a robotic kid. He behaves like a child. Certainly there are, like you see the, the robotic elements when he's fixing the dog and the robot dog, I should say, and things like that. But it's, with the exception of the one panel, that one big page panel, which was phenomenal. Um, yeah, art throughout the series was oh, very, we'll very We'll get well to done. that after. The, uh, with the exception of that one panel that's meant to kind of jolt you with that little reveal. Um, aside from that, he's a kid. And, mm-hmm. and so like, especially as a parent, which I, I don't want to toss that in the face of anybody who's not, but it's just to offer that other kind of insight that somebody who's not a parent wouldn't get. But as a parent, you immediately see your child in this and that, you know, walking around in the PJs and bare feet kind of thing and then petting the dog and, and all those things. So the character is immediately relatable and, and likable. And then the fact that there's that that twist that, holy crap, he's also a robot. Okay, this is going to be pretty cool. And that's been a strength of Jeff Lemire's writing for ages. I mean, I've read a lot of his comics. Trying to think of what we've covered of his here specifically. Uh, He's writing the new Hawkeye and uh, like the stuff he did on Animal Man at DC, really allowing writing characters that connect with the reader. And it really makes the comic that much better. I agree. It's 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 a great talent of his that not a lot of writers can do quite as effortlessly, it seems, because it's it's kind of a hallmark of his writing. Yeah. And like you said, the, the reveal about the kid, again, how many issues would we have gotten into another comic before they revealed he was a robot? At least two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this... it would have been the big cliffhanger reveal yes, at the end of the issue. Exactly. Yeah. So as we go on and uh, we switch back to Nirada. And we meet the doctor that we actually met at the beginning of the story, but that was so fast-paced, we didn't really meet him. He was just kind of there. But now we get a, a better understanding for the other main character in the story, Dr. Kwan, who is now working as a scientific liaison for the Galactic Council because he was a robotics expert back before the attack. And he's really sought after as a great mind into the study of robots. But we can see being present on the planet at the time of attack has in a lot of ways broken him. It's it's really changed his way of thinking that, you know, his his uh, field of study is this hazardous to civilization and whatnot. And we see, you know, he's broken, he's beaten down and he's approached by the Galactic Council to assist on investigating what's going on because they finally cracked the codex of the AI from the harvesters. That's what they call the robots that attacked. And here's finally the the biggest twist, I, I would say, of the issue and uh, spoilers, but we're several issues into this comic. So I think covering the first issue isn't really that big of a deal. We find out that the AI codex is actually a match to the code that Dr. Kwan had designed for his Tim series. It's Great way of tying the entire story together, giving us a huge mystery to solve and really making us interested in what the story is going to do going forward. Going back to what you were saying about the um, the scientist, what I took from it too, and, and it's because you you see him in the later shots when they go to retrieve him, it's immediately after 
the two-page spread that shows Tim looking at the history of what's happened in the Rwandan mm-hmm. genocide. And so when I was reading it after, it wasn't so much that he was broken down because something that he specialized in went horribly awry so much as possibly that like something that he cared so deeply about was obliterated, mm-hmm. was hunted well. down. So there's a lot more paternal kind of instincts there where he's he's seen his creations have to be completely hunted down and everything else. So it's not just a, a field of theory that has gone awry so much as his creations have been killed. Because if you are looking at at this, you can't associate it with our perceptions of what robots are so much as our imaginations of what they will be one day. So it's it's much more sentient or even close to sentient. So when you you see him broken down, what I took from that was that essentially he just watched everything he cares about be hunted and slaughtered. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. The other thing that's important to know too is like you're talking you just mentioned like harvesters in passing. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that <laughs> shot a lot with of the hard points to cover in this first issue. <laughs> yeah, like think Galactus people. Like we're talking massive freaking harvesters at each of the major cities. So it, it, it was, reminded me a lot of the Reapers from Mass Effect. Yes. As well. Yeah. Yeah. It was very imposing. It's it's something that we've seen often, certainly, but it it worked in the context of what this story is. Mm-hmm. And wrapping back around to the art side of things again, oh. Dustin Nguyen. It, this issue is just gorgeous. Like I love the way how he's able to switch, and he does pencils colors everything it's it, there's one artist on this comic the way he switches between like the soft lines and the more hard edges for the robotic stuff it it really gives you a great feel for what's going on same with the coloring it's it's just fabulous beginning to end see my i've, I've i don't know if i've said it on this podcast i know i've said it on other podcasts my wife's an artist and when we were first together we we, um, we actually worked on a kid's book together. And so I was working with her as she was doing various watercolors and all, and all that. And at that time, she, while she had done a lot of every kind, whether it's oil, pastels, you name it, she'd kind of done all, all, all manner of things. But at that time, she was concentrating quite a bit on watercolors. And it was actually the first gift she gave me was one of her watercolors. So mm. I have this affinity, this I, I really, I love watercolors. And so when I look at this, and you can even see the texture of the paper on it. Um, yeah. Th- and that's something that, again, we would go hunting to art stores for different types of paper, the right one. And she would tell me all about the grains and everything else and how it influenced the the, the manner in which the paintings came out and, 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 and whatnot. So I looked at this and was immediately enamored. I, I I love it whenever any comic book artist does watercolor work, but when it's as stylish as this is as well, it really lends itself well to to the story because you have this this really strong juxtaposition between the the the, the colors, the very bright colors where your attention is supposed to be, like mm-hmm. the woman's. Um, 
bright red hair there. And then you have the 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 manner in which they can show environments that are very sterile, very clean, straight lines, lots of weights. And, and again, it draws your eye where it has to be. The art in this literally was the best art I've seen in quite a while. I loved it. Wow. So there you go, guys. <laughs> I don't know what more we can say than yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, as for the, uh, what we read here, like I just had you read the first issue. I've actually read the first three by this point. It's been out for a couple months. I'll and be picking up the other ones. I adore this comic. I highly suggest anybody to seek it out. Like As we learn more about Tim and Dr. Kwan and their relationship and the things Tim has to go through, because we see at the end of the first issue, the scrappers are actually the first ones to arrive on the moon, not Dr. Kwan. So him trying to survive while he's being chased by you know these mercenaries, for lack of a better term, at at certain points, I got a really strong like AI feel, like the movie AI, yeah. and that's a good thing because that movie did a lot of stuff really well as far as the character development of you know, a robot child, and I got a lot of those same feelings here, and it, it's just a fabulous, fabulous comic. So again, Descender by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Yep. Next one we're covering is Southern Cross, written by Becky Cloonan, art by Andy Bellinger and Lee Lawfridge. Here is another future sci-fi story. This one is a very different version of it, though. Our main character here is Alex Braith, someone who is out of jail trying to get her own life together and now has to head off to Titan, the moon, to investigate the death of her sister. And this first issue, I'll say it did move a little slow, but I think it did a lot of groundwork for establishing... The character herself, the ship, is kind of its own character. All the various crew members and supporting cast, there was a lot of ground that it had to cover. And even after the, we got through the first issue, I I was still on board. Like, not a lot happened, but bad, they established enough that I, I was into it. Boo. Really? Worst pun in weeks. Weeks I, and weeks. I didn't even know there was a pun. What did I say? You said you were on board. Oh, that that was completely unintentional. Doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> Puns aside, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I didn't like it really. Hmm? I didn't like it. I um, I really didn't like not the art, but the colors. See, I, I I really did like the colors. really. I hated. Yeah, it. the colors were my favorite part of the art. Oh, I really disliked it a lot. Again, it's all subjective, but mm-hmm. I personally didn't like it. As for the story. It did move at a snail's pace. It did not... It didn't do anything original. It set up a premise that we've seen far too many times with the investigation and pretending not to be involved and then made it far too easy to discover that she is investigating the the the, the death of her sister. There, there was too much going on that I just, not only was I not invested, I didn't care about the characters and the story did nothing for me. And it, which isn't to say I thought the story was bad because obviously other people are going to like it. Hell you did. But for me personally, I read this and it was like, I, I really have no interest in knowing where this is going. I, I just as soon forget about these characters. Hmm. So I, I enjoyed it a little more. I, I'm not uh, disagreeing with your criticisms, but and it's just, 
I still wanted to read the second issue and I did. And I'll agree that it doesn't move at a great pace. It doesn't do anything super original, but I don't know. There's something about it that's still keeping my attention. Yeah. I, and it's not that I don't like sci-fi, obviously. Hell, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy a good sci-fi show. And the idea of this, you know, traveling between the, the planets in our solar system and things like that, or, or between the moons, I should say. Cool. Really cool stuff. I like that kind of stuff. I would have, and and the idea of a mystery on a ship that's going between planets. Right. The premise is sound. The premise has potential. Sadly, the issue, in my opinion, didn't deliver on it. I think if they they had moved it along a little quicker and gotten some of the story elements from the second issue into the first, it would have been a little more successful. I'm still on board. Like the feel I get from this is this is kind of the, at least for me, it's the prequel to Event Horizon, (laughs) which I got. I love that movie, one of my favorite horror movies. And I get a lot of that here of something is significantly wrong on this ship that's affecting multiple people in very strange ways and it's it's kind of figuring out that mystery that that has me still going with it mm. and i didn't really like the main character either she did nothing yeah for me. Not, yeah the main character she's a purposefully unlikable but I, that's that's still not good mm-hmm. but again i i still i still uh, the artwork was okay but i i did like the coloring but oh, that's me yeah. it, again it, you're never going to get somebody who agrees 100 percent all the time Still, I'd suggest if it sounds like something you may be interested in, check it out. Yeah, definitely. And the final one we're covering is – it was really uh, anticipated by myself and that was Injection, written by Warren Ellis, art by Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair. This was the team that did the Moon Knight relaunch for Marvel a couple uh, months ago that I absolutely loved and you overall quite liked, I'd say, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, – Man, this certainly was a heck of a comic. Like, I, I read this thing twice and I'm still not 100% certain what's going on. But based on the strength of the creative team, I'm still going to pick up the second issue. See, we're seeing far too much of that. And yeah, and I don't see that as a positive thing. No, I, I'm, I'm not saying it was a, a stellar first issue, but I... I, my own personal opinions, I, I'm a Warren Ellis fanboy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and so see, that's anything the thing. he writes, I'm on board. Yeah, see, and that's that's fine. But and, – and you did give the stipulation, that stipulation, which I think it's important because I think that, that if your only reason for being on board a comic is the creative team but you actually really didn't dig the issue all that much, like I mean I'm, I'm willing to cut some slack as well. For that, but mm-hmm. not as much as I used to, because you know your favorite author will write something that's crap. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't mean keep reading in anticipation that it will get better because they've written better in the past. To me, it's no, this one's a pass. Stop reading, move on to something else. And and again, I am. I'm willing – it's a comic book, so it's not hard to give it a little bit more slack and, yeah. and keep trying, certainly. But I, I'm I'm less likely to be recommending it because mm-hmm. it's – just because it's Ellis. Because quite frankly, I was not impressed with this. Not only yeah, was I, I – did I find it – I'm going to come out and say it, and it is an opinion. Not only did I think it was poorly written, but it was – it, it's purposefully confusing is the way I would 
I would state it because <laughs> they throw a lot of stuff at you with no context. And that's wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. if you you can do that, but not with everything that's in the story. I mean, you can throw in certainly some aspects that are going to be a little confusing for the sake of, you know, teasing something that's going to come later on, for sure. But when the bulk of the <laughs> the story, the characters, everything is that, you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. It's no longer about being, you know, clever and about trying to have mystery to what it is you're creating the story and whatnot. No, you just didn't tell the story right. And I know that's an ambitious statement to say about someone who's obviously a successful comic writer, but that's why I keep saying it's an opinion. And like this beginning to end, I just point blank thought it was poorly written. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say Ellis has written stuff that I haven't been a big fan of, yeah. but overall I've enjoyed enough of his work that I'm at least going to give it one more issue. But I'll agree. I can't recommend it based on this first issue because, yeah, the story is so all over the place. Like, I, I don't even want to say the story is all over because I don't know what the story is at this point. They just throw a bunch of stuff at you. And I really hope that in the second issue something starts to tie together because I, I, I'm teetering on the verge myself. But I, I expect so much from this creative team that – I really want it to work. What it boils down to me, for me, is it was not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that, okay, something can be confusing and still be enjoyable because you're like, oh, I can't wait to find out what they're referencing here. The sort of confusing. Yeah. So you can have things like that where, you know, it kind of tugs away and makes you think about it long after it's done. That's good storytelling, good writing. But when it's this... It's point blank not enjoyable at any point. I wanted to stop reading this part way through, but I forced my way through. And when you like, when you when you don't even want to fi- finish, you know, twenty two pages, mm. that's awfully telling. Yeah. So, looking back, Descender absolutely oh, must yeah. get must get Southern Cross is kind of in between and Injection at this point. I wouldn't recommend it, but. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys an update once the second issue comes out. Mm-hmm. As for what else we've been reading, I read the second issue of Secret Wars. <laughs> I stopped after how many pages? <laughs> I might have read 10 pages. I don't even think I made it that far. And I went, nope. My original thought of waiting until it's all over and reading it all in one mm-hmm. shot was the right idea. Because... <laughs> I'm gonna lay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay a couple facts at your feet and let you guess how much I enjoyed it. It was a story about a feud between Captain Britain and Mister Sinister, policed by an army of Thors, and the issue was titled "God Emperor Doom." How did Vince feel about this issue? I, I assumed it was right up your alley. I absolutely loved this issue. I, I think this should have been the first issue of Secret Wars instead of the second, because like we said, first issue of Secret Wars was pretty rough to get through. But and I really liked this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a comic that was written for Vince. I'm going to look at it and go, man, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I really did because it basically touched on everything I like about comic books. I got to the point where the story stopped um, 
being about Thor's, and then it, the, it led to the kingdom of Utopolis. And mm-hmm. that's where I went, nope, I'm going to wait. And it, I, again, I didn't like this. <laughs> but I haven't been reading the whole thing, so I'm not up to date with mm-hmm. not just well the event, but this all of these Thor's and whatnot, like... It's one of those things, it's the same complaint we made about Convergence, where if you don't have pre-existing knowledge of the stuff we're trying to do here, uh, of as far as the Thor core, and, you know, just Captain Britain and his backstory in general, like, you're not going to get as much out of this. I do, so I did. And it, I'm not going to defend it. Like I said, if you're basing your event around the reader's pre-existing knowledge... There are some readers who are absolutely going to love it and a vast majority of readers that aren't. It just so happens that I fall into the narrow scope of who they're shooting for on this particular series so far. But you understood everything that happened in the issue? Yes. Okay. Because I understand enough about the characters and what they're doing. But again, that's my pre-existing knowledge. It's not that it was written in such a way that... Oh, it definitely wasn't. A a, a casual reader is going to pick this up and go, oh, I, I got it. Great. Like a casual reader probably isn't going to know who the heck Captain Britain is. (laughs) Like maybe they'll recognize Brian Braddock if he's in costume, but no. Uh, Again, I didn't even read that Mm -hmm. stuff. It was all the Thor stuff and, 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 and and it was like, what the, (laughs) no bleep required. (laughs) How many duck quacks did you use last week, by the way? Man, that was a lot. Yeah. I just copy and pasted whenever I needed to put a new one in. When I was editing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, again, like I said, I stopped reading because it was just, nope, not doing this. All right. The latest issue of Thor. Uh, did you read the latest one? Yes, I did. Where they finally revealed who Thor is. <laughs> and you were wrong. I was wrong. I will freely admit I was wrong. And I will also freely admit that I'm glad I was wrong because I, I'm going to avoid the particular spoiler as to who it is because it's only been a week at this point what Aaron is now doing with the story and the direction he's moving it in and what being Thor means for this particular character. I'm now very, very interested. This was good. I enjoyed it. I, I'm not a Thor fan, but again, when it's a good story, it's a good story. It doesn't matter who the characters are. Mm -hmm. And this was a good story. I, I really quite liked it. Like on the long list of people who I thought were going to be Thor, I, I said it last time around, I was 99% sure it was going to be Roz Solomon. Turns out it wasn't. This person was probably at the bottom of my list. So good job, Jason Aaron, because he pulled something completely out of left field that still made sense. Yeah. And I, makes for a very interesting story going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was, there were some cool really cool aspects in the story, different, different bits that I, I, I really enjoyed a lot and I'm, I'm enjoying her as a character as well. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm like, not just a little, I'm really enjoying her as a character. She's, there's a lot of layers to this character, not just with the, the obvious reveal. That's pretty huge. And, and what the reveal means going forward as well for the character. Again, I'm, wording it as such just not to spoil this but moving forward with this makes me very interested and for me 
who has read not a lot of Thor mm-hmm. in the past to say, wow, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what the story arc is going to be with this character going forward. That's saying a lot. And again, it's because of the strength of the character. So for all of the previous issues where you in particular were saying as well, you know, we're getting way too much of old Thor and, or Odinson, I should say, mm-hmm. not enough of, of her. And I was thinking, well, I, I kind of disagree because we're getting a lot of character development from her in terms of how she's dealing with Odin's son. And that's important. Right. There doesn't have to be a lot of of action, a lot of words spoken or anything like that to still really get a sense of who a person is based on how they deal with someone who's being difficult. And... So we got a ton, ton of that. And then, of course, it makes a lot of sense later on. So there's like a lot of stuff. And that's just like a few layers there. There's so much with this character and the manner in which she speaks. This is, let me put it to you this way. This is one of the few comic books where I look forward to the narrative. I look forward to seeing what she's thinking because it is quite obviously different than what she is saying Mm -hmm. or putting out for everybody to see. You're getting so much more of a glimpse of who she is as a character from that narrative. That's rare. That's rare to think I want more narrative in this comic. And it's handled very well. It's it's never too much. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I enjoyed this quite a bit. I, I will freely admit that a lot of my disappointment with the early issues of this comic weigh heavily on my preconceptions of what I thought the story was going in. And case in point, you had no preconceptions about it and you enjoyed it more than I did. So I'm actually now interested. I want to go back and reread these eight issues again, knowing what we know now and without that preconceived story point in my mind and see how differently it reads. Yeah. And the last one I want to talk about this week is Captain Marvel, issue 15. I know you haven't been keeping up. I'm I'm so far behind and yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was actually a, a single issue story where Carol has finally returned to Earth after her time out in space. And uh, one of the supporting cast members passed away while she was gone. And it was just a really touching, heartwarming issue because as uh, is explained at the end, Writing this issue was very therapeutic for Kelly Sue herself because this supporting character was in a lot of ways an analog for her own aunt who recently passed away. And it really comes through in the story. And this was just for a single issue, very touching, very well done. And I can't say I enjoyed it because you you can't really enjoy an issue about somebody dying and everybody being sad, but very, very well done. Good job. Cool. And what have you got for us this week? Well, sticking with Thor and Kelly Sue and stuff, um, I got caught up on Bitch Planet because mm. I was a few issues behind. And so I got caught up with them. And and there was that, and, and I'm going to get into it afterwards. Um, I got caught up on Angela, Asgard's assassin as well. Right. Because I was a few issues, I was more than a Both few of which issues. I've been back. reading. I just haven't quite mentioned lately. Yeah, the thing is, is that, and it, and it ties in again with that Thor issue. Although I, I, I think that Bitch Planet stands out more for the point that I'm trying to make. We don't get enough comic books that are important, mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't have to be that it's important 
even because of the story, it can be important because of the emotions, the intellect that it's trying to convey can be important because of not a movement, but for a, well, yeah, a movement towards improving things. There's, there's a lot of things that can make a comic important. But we don't get a lot of comics that are, again, important. Not just important because, oh, this was a good story or, you know, it addressed something. No, no, I'm talking seriously affects a large amount of people and tries to effectuate change as well. And at the same time, tell a story. And so that's what Bitch Planet actually is. Like, this is not just a comic that is, you know, this not sarcastic, but this, this clever way of looking at what is going on in our world and mirror it and warp it a bit like a carnival mirror. Although to be honest, not that much when you look at different parts of the world, ironically, we were just watching a show last night and it was in uh, Iran and they were talking about, you know, the different things there that, that women have to, to deal with. And, and so when you look at a comic like this, and how blatantly in your face it's trying to, and and I'm not saying she's trying to show us what's wrong in the world, but it is showing us, mm-hmm. you know, and it's important for not just women to feel empowered by this, but also for men to read it, to gain some measure of understanding and perhaps even change the way that they think. And again, it's, 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 it's a comic book about, again, women on this, this penal colony, this is a prison, whatever you want to call it in this make-believe world. But it's, again, it's, it's actually an important comic book in our time right now. And f- for a long while, and that really blows me away. Like, let alone the fact that the story is more compelling than, Oh, damn near anything else yeah, right now. Seriously. The characters are spot on to the point where not only are they believable, but they are people that you care about, regardless of the fact that they may or may not be criminals. And even mm-hmm. if they are criminals, you can sympathize or empathize or understand to a certain degree why they chose to do these things because of the horrible, you know, manner in which they have to live. Like we, again, it's, it's quite obviously we live a privileged life, life as, as men. And we can still understand that we, we are privileged and that we don't have to go through a lot of the crap that, that women have to go through and whatnot. But when it's presented in such a way that, you put yourself to pay attention to it. Well, not just put pay attention, but put yourself in that mindset Mm -hmm. and start to, and again, that might be the writer and me with the wild imagination. That's that's what would I do? Because I mean, you've already known me long enough to know that I kind of don't pull punches and I really don't suffer fools. Well, and don't put up with a lot of crap in my life. Still talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, well, but, uh, and so I think like, you know what, what would that mean for me? I would probably be seen as, you know, quote unquote, this militant radical feminist just because I want the same thing that the men want. And that shouldn't 
You shouldn't be termed as radical or, or anything just because you want equality. And so, again, this is – it's actually important. So it's one of those comments like I'm, I'm telling people like read this. Not kids, obviously, but yeah. like it's, it's actually an important comic in our time right now. When you're seeing all of these women who are having – getting these like non-compliant tattoos and I'm thinking, you know, it's – I can understand I can understand how we have, there's something here that empowers you and, and it's a message that you want to, to spread. And then when you look at Angela's assassin, um, great storytelling, notwithstanding the fact that we have this gay God, you know, that has this relationship with the woman. Mm -hmm. And when you're reading the letters from these women who are gay saying, you know, thank you. Thank you for uh, someone that I can relate to in that regard. And so it's another comic that, while not as, you know, for lack of a better term, again, in your face about it, far more subtle in the storytelling, it still is actually a an important comic book about a very powerful and interesting and everything character. Like, I... Very complicated. Yeah, the more I read about her. A lot of depth to her. Yeah, the more I read, the more I enjoyed it. And to the point where when I got to the end, it was like, holy crap, I kind of wish this had kept going for quite a while longer because I was really, really digging it. I'm pretty sure it'll be back after Secret Wars. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, Just a couple more very quickly. Did you by any chance read the Spider-Man and the Inhumans and then Captain America Inhumans? It was a two-part. I I still haven't. No. You should read it. I I know. You recommended it to me and it's kind of on the to-do list. I just haven't quite gotten back around to it. Yeah. So like the first one was the obvious, you know, Spidey, which we love. And then this one was more about the... Not just Cap, but the relationship between Spidey and Cap, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that Cap's going through, and how he's dealing with it, and what's going on in his head, the the doubting, which then how it comes out as not as doubt, but instead as no, this is right, and I'm you know I need to to push on. So it was actually really good. Once again, I don't know who. Which editor at at some point decided that everybody's going to hate Spidey? It's got to stop <laughs> right now. Enough of this crap. Because <laughs> this, all this hate on Spidey, which, you know, freaking Captain America's making all these comments. Hey, hey, hey. Trust me. More people like him than you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me on that one. So, yeah. But, no, it is very good. You should read it. Did you cool. read the latest uh, Darth Vader? Yes. This may be my favorite Star Wars story in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I hmm, I don't know really? that it's my favorite favorite, but it's damn close to it. Uh, it's up there, yeah. Yeah, like very, very high up. I'm, I got nothing but cool things to say about this. I'm not going to prattle on forever, but, I mean, it was really, and an freaking triple O. <laughs> I love this robot. <laughs> like I really, really love this robot a lot. So yeah, that was very, very cool. What else have I got? I've got uh oh, Invincible. Latest one. Mm-hmm. Mark really is a jerk. <laughs> yes, he is. He really is a big freaking jerk. This was I mean, we got yet more 
not resolution, but mm-hmm. again, more having to deal with his rape. Well handled. Um, short conversation, but good. Ended on, you know, cliched crap. We knew he was going to be called in, obviously, for some, for this galactic fight that's been going on for how many freaking issues just still my favorite thing about this yeah. comic. yeah those are amazing drawings that that the one from the latest issue with the two of them flying towards yeah. each other that's a wallpaper yeah it is it, is, it definitely is but uh but i mean it, it was good but not nearly as good as the mm-hmm. other ones recently did you read the latest silk actually i haven't it was good but i'm starting to be starting to get a little worried about it Mm-hmm. because it's not living up to what that first issue was. So, or what she was in Spider-Verse and, and previous to that kind of thing. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're getting some, some really cool stuff, some, some good character development stuff with her. And again, some, when I say cool stuff, some of that was justifiably like really freaking the stuff with her in Fantastic Four was cool. I liked it, but, uh, but yeah. And the same thing with Spider-Gwen. Latest one? Did you read it? No, I'm. I was kind of hesitant to pull the trigger on that one. I'm at a point where I'm almost ready to to give up on it hmm. until we get somebody else working on it. You know, yeah. I, there, there were some cool aspects, some some good character moments. Uh, with Gwen, not with Spider Gwen. So there were, <laughs> you know, and Castle being freaking awesome again at the end. But uh, good to know. But to say that it was enjoyable, not really, actually. And then same thing with Spider Man twenty ninety nine finishing off that story arc. Um, did you read that one? I did read that one. I yeah yeah it was it was really really like. You dialed that sucker in. Like you, you, there, there was no originality whatsoever in anything that happened. And really, I, I, I didn't, not only was I ambivalent, but it was like, my God, this is bad. Yeah. It's, it's a thing with Peter David. Like I love his work overall. He's, he's always done some great character work, but every once in a while he'll just slip and like, write a comic from the eighties. And that's what this latest storyline was. So two very quick bad ones. Did you read even bother with convergence number six? <laughs> no, you didn't make me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think I'm that cruel that I would make you read this because it's, it's still dragging its heels. It's still the same goddamn thing. Like, there's nothing has happened to speak of. So, like, it's just, it was bad. I I really didn't like it. And then, of course, there's Wolverines. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Every week, I forget that you're still reading that. It's almost done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's almost done. Because, <laughs> again, this... I like Mystique as a character and they're really pushing Mystique on us here. Like really big time. Like she's supposed to be orchestrating everything and, and being in charge of the team and being this badass and all. And I, and again, I I like her, but I really don't like what is going on with her in, in, in this at all. So, and, and the story in and of itself, 
Like, I mean, he's ramping it up a lot in terms of like eh, all of the infighting, people dying now and things like that. So there's a lot of, of crap going on, certainly, but, but, uh, but I, I did not enjoy it at all, at all. And, and again, X-23 is in this, like, I should be loving this and I really, really am not. And the art at times, because it's very, who, who the hell did the art? I'm going to find that. Um, the art at times is cool because of the way in which it's done. It's uh, it's very kind of free-flowing kind of thing. But then some of the panels are so free-flowing that it looks like it's quite literally like just a blob of colors put on. And like there's shots of Mystiques you're going like, if you were to like zoom in and look at it, it's like, that is not a drawing of a face. That's smudges on paper. And it really, I, <laughs> Jonathan Marks did the art and uh, Lee Lawridge did the colors. Uh, yeah. So some of it was just like, what the hell were you thinking of? That's horrible. So that's it. All right. Well then for this week's new releases, buckle up <laughs> from Marvel. We have A-Force, number one, Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 27, Master of Kung Fu, number one, Planet Hulk, number one, Powers, number three, Secret Wars, Battle World, number one, Spider-Verse, number one, Star Wars, number five, Ultimate End, number one, and Uncanny X-Men, number 34. In case you didn't pick up on it, all those number ones are Secret Wars tie-ins. From DC, of course, Convergence with issue number seven, as well as issue two for Adventures of Superman, Batman and the Outsiders, Green Lantern Corps, Hawkman, Justice League America, New Teen Titans, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, Swamp Thing, The Flash, and Wonder Woman. However, they do redeem themselves by putting out Mad Max, Fury Road, Nux, and Immortan Joe. That movie was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, so better (laughs) bet I'm going to read that comic book. From Image, we have the fade out number six, Stray Bullets, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses number four, The Tithe number two, and Witches number six. And pretty weak outside of that, from IDW, we have Gem and the Holograms number three, and from Valiant, Bloodshot Reborn number two. I'm really glad Gem didn't come out last week because I know you wouldn't have mentioned it. And that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. You forgot. What did I forget? Happy birthday, Dart. <laughs> she doesn't listen. <laughs> she will now. <laughs> Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.